Hey everybody, we are Francis, Martin, and Robert, and this is Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Welcome back to Snakes and Otters. This is episode 72. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis, once again in the captain's chair. Code of honor this time, gentlemen. Uh, We're going to go through some of those famous quotations, or not-so-famous quotations, that we think are cool. And explore what they mean, what their significance is. Uh, myself and uh, Martin will tee it up, and Robert the Hammer will hammer all the nails right in at the very end. We always put him last. I like it when he mixes his metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's like a, a Jack Aubrey. I mean, for goodness sakes, you know, you know, that's uh, that's kind of kind of cool. I love doing that every once in a while. Yeah, this show really is the epitome of of uh, the tagline: pointless discussions of eternal questions. That's exactly the code of honor, because it really is where we get into the eternal stuff. <laughs> and you know, most. actually. These episodes, are, uh, based on our downloads, are often our most popular. Excellent. Yeah, this is, this is the one that most people seem to really it resonates with them. Uh, I like to think it's because of our uh, biting and searing intellect, gentlemen, but uh, I suppose... Uh, searing intellect. Yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, even blind squirrels find nuts occasionally. Right? That's right. So uh, I'd like to think we do this really, really well. Uh, we don't overly show prep these. I mean, our history episodes we do a lot of. Some of the others we do, too. These we just Whereas kind of, I mostly just wing it every day. <laughs> well, well, you do have a large repository of stuff in your that you've laid uh, back. I do, especially for this. Um, I don't always choose from that repository sure, from, right. for this, but yes. Well, I mean, you have a net if you want yes. one. You don't have to. You don't. You can. You can fly without one if you need to. But uh, uh, I have. I had a smaller one. I started using one, but it got to the point. No, I don't want to do that. I, I'm, I just kind of work with where I'm. What I'm going to go. And Martin, I think you do something similar to that too. You, you've got a list, but uh, sooner or later. Uh, we worry about repeating ourselves, which is something we don't want to do because we've been doing this for about a year now. And uh, we... yes, most of our show prep today was, "Have I used this?" Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and sometimes the answer was yes. So uh, <laughs> we have to work on a collective. That's th- how good they are, though. They they keep coming back in your brain. Well, that's right because a good quotation is a good quotation, and it should be forever. You know, it's, it's, it should it's be words to live by. Mm-hmm. Very very influenced by words to live by because. You shouldn't be a bubble. Well, that's right. You know, the an island unto yourself. Well, okay, that's fine, but there has to be something form, formulating you. You have to synthesize this input. Right. It, and, the human and, condition is about the relationships. It's not just relationships with people. It's relationships with ideas and concepts as well. Ooh, relationships with ideas. See, again, Robert, you just make an offhand remark, and he's, he's already there. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Like with and a fly nails, swatter. Boom. Nails yeah. it in place. That's right. Nails My work is done. I'm yes. taking the rest of the episode off. Uh, no, 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 no. We would definitely be a, uh, a three-legged stool missing a stool. We would fall down very quickly. Missing a leg. Missing a leg. Exactly. Yes, correct. We don't want to talk about stool here. That's no, just no. not a very pleasant subject. Unpleasant, especially yeah. just after we ate lunch. That's correct. Yes. Exactly. Uh, so, Code of Honor, we're going to... we. Uh, Martin and I have kind of talked a little bit what we're going to do, and like we say, Robert holds his back until the very end because he wants to see where the discussion goes. But I think I'll go ahead and start mine. Yes, I was going to suggest the same thing. Yeah, I will just lay that... uh, You know what? I think Francis should start today. Good job, Robert. Thank you, Robert. Boom. There you go. (laughs) Nailed in again. Just keep on going. You got pass load nail guns, sir. Boom. See, a co-worker who left my office uh, was not a comic book guy, but somebody had given him... Well, these toy Thor hammers. Oh, and when he left the office, he, he passed that toy hammer on to me and called it the Hammer of User Reinforcement. Oh, my. I so now it. I've just had a brainstorm, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to bring that home, and we're going to have to have that every time we record a Code of Honor episode. So I can pound on So you're pound going up. to have to be worthy to lift Monier, which you are. Well, of you course, are very right, worthy, yes, Robert. Sir. Yes. Oh, thank you. So we're we're. I think that's going to become a regular feature now. I, oh, have I to remember it. to put that in the backpack. That's exactly that. you know, right. I had one, but the dog, or no, actually the dog didn't chew it up. Uh, kid, my son played with when they were much littler. Uh, they took it outside. He must have pounded on the tree with it because it, you know it's foam. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, and unwor- it came back in all the unworthiness yeah. of the whole concept. That's correct. But anyways, that's yes. uh, anyway because yeah. you know. Who doesn't want a Mjolnir sitting on their desk? Well, Chris Hemsworth apparently has his house filled with them. In fact, to the point where it actually made the news, his wife has forbidden him from bringing any more home. (laughs) 
And I, hey, if you're playing Thor, come on. Why wouldn't your house be decorated like with me? I would imagine he could get uh, all kinds of them, too. Yeah, so it has, well, apparently. and of course, now he's going to have to bring home all kinds of Stormbreakers because it's not Mjolnir. That's right. That's correct. That's right. Oh, I'm sure he's got plenty of those, too. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, we love Chris Helmsworth. Uh, he's, uh, he, does a, he does a great Thor. But anyway. Even when he's fat. Thor, not Chris. Well, that's, yeah, that was delivered. Chris has not, has not done that. But uh, speaking of hammers and Thors and uh, weapons and things like that. Our last episode was about Carlos Clausewitz. And I teased at the end that I would probably select one of his quotations for the next Code of Honor because we didn't really talk a lot about that. And I have done so, actually. Uh, folks, all you got to do is uh, Google von Clausewitz quotes and you get a slew of them. I mean, this is uh, from a man who was famous for those sort of things, sometimes to the detriment of his own ideas, as we, as we discussed last episode. But uh, there's so many great ones. I've got one here that I've pulled out that I think you all will really enjoy. It's about the the paramount necessity to think. And, you know, that's kind of what we're about here. You know, we're, we talk about that all the time, the ability to think through things. And Clausewitz's quote is, There are very few men, and they are, ex- they are the exceptions, who are able to think and feel beyond the present moment. The lack of the ability to be forward-thinking is the doom of mankind. to Or even backwards observing. Well, yeah, because that would inform you know the way that you would think. Uh, I'll give the quote again. There are very few men, and they are the exceptions, who are able to think and feel beyond the present moment. What do you guys think? Well, like I say, the <clears throat> those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it, but those who do learn history are doomed to watch, unfortunately. Yeah. So that, that ties to that scarceness of somebody who can think <clears throat> past either backwards or forwards mm-hmm. of that present moment. And there's, let me just say, there's nothing wrong with being in the moment. Right. No. Yeah. There's, there is that. I mean, we talked about Robin Williams, and of course he's using that famous Latin carpe diem in one of his films. Yeah, to yeah. And, and so, you know, seize the day, seize the moment, be in the moment. There is value to that, but you're absolutely right. Um, you have to be able to also then synthesize that moment with the past and the future. Mm-hmm. Well, not, not being able to see beyond the end of one's nose sooner or later lends to stepping down a big, great big old hole, one would think. I, when I hear this, one of the things that comes to mind to me is <clears throat> not so much about the uh, the inability to, to, to be forward thinking or backwards observing, but it, it to me it also says a great deal about uh, what you do focus on, which is basically going to I believe because this is not us. Although I think everybody falls into this at times, mm-hmm. uh, but to live that way is a different thing. But it's it's about just whatever. Mm-hmm. It's almost reacting as an animal would uh, to whatever the stimulus is at the moment. Oh, yeah. So it's a very um, um, not sensationalist, as in uh, sensualist. Sensualist. That's, That's the word I'm looking word. for. It's a very sensualist yeah. uh, way of living. Uh, so you're either living for the avoidance of pain. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that, uh, or the the gaining of pleasure. Again, nothing wrong with that. But both either done without aim would be, I think, what von Clausewitz is talking about. Because, <clears throat> you know, it, 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 it really is living in the moment to the extreme, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's intending in to. Because, as I said, there's nothing wrong with, you know, we all seek to move away from pleasure, I mean, towards pleasure and away from pain. Uh, but when that is the entirety of your focus, so that it's even a, an unconscious modus operandi it's it's giving in to a self-centered point of view and it is very self-centered it, it's putting your desires at the forefront and to tie it to Clausewitz, i mean think about operation barbarossa mm-hmm. you know there's there's hitler again being in that moment of the hatred of the soviet union to the exclusion of understanding napoleon's already tried this bro it didn't work out that's right. <laughs> Invasion of Russia. Bad idea. Especially in winter. 
Well, that's and it's very important that we also understand von Clausewitz's uh, context here. He's speaking in a military understanding here, which we can extrapolate into any large human endeavor. Uh, you, uh, put that into business if you want to, or uh, or mission, or evangelization, or whatever it is yeah. that you've got a mission for. Uh, if you cannot think beyond the end of your nose, you are doomed to fail. Uh, See, and I think it's even—it's <coughs> really not even thinking about the end. Of what's beyond? Yeah. The end or of feeling? Nose. I mean, the yeah. quotation is oh, yeah, think, sure, or, it's thing, it yeah, is think yeah. or feel, and it's yeah. uh, uh, and he's and he's bemoaning uh, the fact that in the military context, this is death. You have to be able to see the future, plan for it, and adapt to it. And the only way to do that is think and feel. It's not one or the other, but they are mixed in there together to be able to do yeah, that. Yeah, and synthesizing previous experience That's right. helps you respond to the other Clausewitzian idea of mm-hmm. you don't no plan survives contact right. with the enemy. It became that very Von Moltke quote we've used before. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you, you've got to be able to be beyond the moment, both looking at the future and using the experience of the past to then synthesize your response mm-hmm. to those unknown things. Right, because you should have, hopefully, a multifaceted future laid out. You can see, you cannot see the, you know, only God could see the infinite possibilities, but you should be able to be multifocal, to recognize if this, then that, if not this, then that, etc., etc. Yes, because that right there is a great way of, for most people to understand, uh, what this really points to. So when you look at, we talked about last time about how uh, von Clausewitz uh, influenced uh, modern war making uh, with the war college and the general staffs and what have you. And, you know, we also, we, as you said, Martin, we've talked about no plans to rise contact with the enemy. That's true. However, what does survive contact with the enemy are the pieces of all the plans you've put together in the past, because that's what the war college does. When they war game, they war game, multiple scenarios and ultimately when you finally do go to war no one scenario that you have war gamed is exactly what will happen right. but the victor will have elements of multiple plans end up being what is finally used mm-hmm. that's what allows you to pivot on the battlefield mm-hmm. whether it's the battlefield of business or the battlefield of war and staying true to the object of the plan Yes. It's more important than staying true to the details of the plan. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, that's Ulysses S. Grant was famous for that. That's one of the things he had that none of the other commanders of the Army of the Potomac ever had, is the ability to, A, stay focused on the object, which was defeat the sound. Well, and keep going. Come to we, grips, as, in as, specific for him, come to grips with Lee and don't let go. Well, well as we talked about with, with Burnside, well, you know what? But that's what Burnside was doing at Fredericksburg. He just didn't realize that coming to grips didn't mean literally... Charge up that damned hill, over and, and over and over, over and over. Right, yeah. Intellect guided by experience, and yeah. uh, Burnside probably had the one, but not a lot of the other. Right. He he had only one plan in his pocket, so therefore that's all he could follow. Whereas, you know, if you have multiple, if you combine the thinking and the feeling, that looking forward and looking back, uh, you are much better able to respond to the different events because that's the key: to not react, but to respond. Oh, very good. I like that. That's exactly right, because there is a great difference to that. Um, reaction is a, is a biological or physical um, necessity. I mean, it happens. You know, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. It's, it, you know, that's physics. It's the same thing in relationships or in warfare or in business. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Um, that's not what we're about. We're not about reacting. We're about responding. Animals react. Human beings respond. That's exactly what I was trying to spit out. You're exactly right. Again. Whack. Whack. Oh. Hammer. <laughs> Hammer city. We're going to have to have something that makes a little noise. Every time he does that, we push the button. Bzz, and, uh, and it says, you know, the, the hammer has spoken. My turn? Oh, yeah, please. Go right ahead. All right. Well, before we go into my turn, I think it uh, would be good to uh, put the bourbon talk at the beginning of this episode. Well, yeah, because of the way through. you've already heard me clink a couple yes. times. I picked me up too. here. Yeah. Uh, so, it's just inevitable. Uh, tell us about it there, Martin. All right. So we are back at Studio M. I'm very excited to have the guys back here uh, at Studio M. And we, uh, as promised, we've cracked open the bullet again with the soapstone cubes. 
That, which is new. We've not done that before. You just purchased them, I do believe. Yes. So we're, well, now I, I have used my soapstone cubes yes. at home. Correct. Yeah, I was we, referring to yes, his the but, ones he's just purchased. Yes. 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 We all. Yes. There's enough to share here. Yeah. Yes. I didn't. I don't think mine had nearly this many. Because <clears throat> I don't know that we all had them, but you did last time at your house. Yes. So I have eight in a little box, and uh, so no watered down bourbon this time. Mm-hmm. With a little chill. Yes. We. Lowered the temperature without dilution, mm-hmm. and uh, again we've talked a little bit about this bur- uh, this bullet bourbon before, but mm, potent, um, woodsy, um, kind of got a little bit of the cedar note. Not a lot of sweetness, not a lot of the oh, maple. No. no, definitely not. Um, but just kind of the spicy, mm-hmm. a, a little bit of the hint of the spice on there. Potent burn. Well, and this is uh, the uh, the sinuses uh, more yeah. so than the throat. <clears> yeah, <throat> it stays up in here. Mm-hmm. And yes, you were having allergy issues earlier. I'm assuming they're all gone now. Yes, I am <laughs> uh, somehow surprisingly uh, all cleared up, all yeah, opened so, up. That's right, good. <clears throat> mm. So, bullet uh, exceeding my expectations. I do recommend frontier it. whiskey. They call it. Yeah, uh, it's it's a little bit. I don't want to use the word harsher because it's not bad at all. It's just a bit more robust, a bit. Uh, Rougher, perhaps? That's not a bad word. It's uh... Well, and the phenols are gone, so there's no... <coughs> at the end. There's I don't clean know finish. Yeah, I don't there's know that we have finish. a bourbon that really has had... Even the Devil's Cut was really a good uh, uh, good finish. Yeah. It's just uh, more intense. Yeah, this one stays on the tongue real nice. I like it. Yeah. So... Your quotation, sir. My quotation. I am going with a relatively new source for us, somebody that we probably have not talked about a whole lot. That is G.K. Chesterton, British author. I am surprised we have not because he is he is awesome and uh, both Robert and I are definite aficionados and fans I of I think his. we have, we, we, I'm sure we have we've dropped mentioned, him in conversations dropped many him in, times. But you're right, we've not done the whole thing with him. He probably ought to be a hero for us. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, that's just a note that one down to he self. Is, yeah, that one he's definitely much a, uh, or definitely a, uh, a Catholic thinker. And, and mm-hmm. icon. The apostle of common sense is how he was often termed. And it's yes. So this is one of those uh, that I think has been restated by other people in different ways quite a bit since his life. But it is, I do not believe in a fate that falls on men however they act. But I do believe in a fate that falls on them unless they act. So I like that quite a bit because... You know, the synthesis of thinking then has to be action. Mm-hmm. Um, so this very much says to me, yeah, you got to think about what you're doing, but after you think it through, act. Don't freeze. Don't sit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've talked before about that balance, finding a balance for me between being a person of thought and a person of action. Because you can be one or the other. Oh, yeah. But you're incomplete. That's right. You must be both. You have to be both. You have to think it through, Clausewitz. That's right. And then that thought, though, has to be directed to an action. What are you going to do about it? Well, yeah, otherwise it's, it's, it's academic. Well sometimes, or... well, sometimes the thing you're going to do is nothing. But that has to be a conscious choice. It needs to be a conscious a choice. choice. Yeah, it, yes. be, it needs to be a deliberate action. Yeah. Even even in action itself, yes. if as long as it's deliberate, yes, would would fill the fill the prescription. Yeah, because otherwise, thought is just you know it's a beer fart and a whirlwind. Well, <laughs> oh, no, where did that one come from? Don't answer that. Uh, uh, but that's just wasn't expecting that's that one. That's a Clint Eastwood. Okay, all right. Well, it's beer a, fart and a whirlwind. I, and I consider myself a. a Follower of the great Clint and uh, man, you should you should have kept that in your back pocket for your quote one day. <laughs> Just a beer fart and a whirlwind. That's a uh, heartbreak ridge. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there, there's so many. I mean, my lord, Josie Wales alone could give us enough quotes to fill an episode. You know, yes, if we yeah. wanted to really go good with this. Uh, so, but yeah, the, the the idea that that thinking about the problem is just the first step. You really does need to be both. Um, one of the, the quotes I have on my list uh, is basically a restating of that Chesterton, which is your problem isn't the problem. Your reaction is the problem. Yes. Oh, yeah. We've talked about that a lot. Yeah. Which is event plus reaction is outcome. Yeah. Exactly. The only thing you really have responsibility and control over is your reaction. Exactly. So, you know, 
and, and that's kind of what, what I was saying. You know, sometimes the inaction is the choice. Uh, not choosing is a choice. But now that when we say not choosing is a choice, we generally mean that as in, well, I'm just going to keep thinking about it until... Yeah, an excuse for true inaction. That's the excuse for true inaction. But deciding can't do anything about it, so I'm going to move on. That's a different thing. Right. Uh, of course, now the moving on is the hard part sometimes. Yeah, well, yeah. There's moving um, on, and then there's yes. Yeah, under- understanding what you can alter and what you cannot alter, and being able to set aside those things you cannot alter—that's an important response. Yeah. Do yeah. Well, you know what? That's funny because that's a, another way of saying one of the other quotes I have on my list because they're very, very much related. Knowledge is being aware of what you can do. Wisdom is knowing when not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, you know, really again, good. when to make that choice. Because uh, yeah. the choice of when to act, when not to act, that really is... Uh, it, it's not just the hallmark of a thinking person, or even as, the, as we've talked about before, a fully human person. It's the hallmark of... What's the best way to... I'm not even sure the best way to put it, but it's the hallmark Being of in somebody... The arena. It, being in the arena, uh, it, but it's the hallmark of someone who is, I think, aware of, of things other than him, other than him or herself. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, vision, having true vision beyond oneself. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's being aware of the impact on others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, uh, you know, for me, uh, a lot of this all comes back to relationships, mm-hmm. uh, because when you choose to act, I think. I mean, you can choose to act for evil reasons. You can choose to act for selfish outcomes. But when you think and then act, I think you are far more likely to act for the good. Mm-hmm. At least as you perceive it. Yes. Now, sometimes that is a flawed perception. Sure. Will grant. Yeah. Well, you know, Ricardo Montalban once said that a villain doesn't think he's a villain. He just thinks he's simply committed to his cause. He was talking about the villainous Khan from yeah. Star Trek yes. II. See, there we go. It's always going to pop in there. But it's true because, you know, everybody is the hero of their own story. I think. Right. Nobody Mark, gets up thinking, I'm going to do evil today. That's exactly right. And Not just, even Dr. Evil. That's correct. Well, maybe Dr. Evil. Maybe. Well, even Victor Von Doom wouldn't do that. Right. Yes, he, in fact, that's one of the things that so makes him so great. He always thinks he's he's doing things for the good, even though they may not be. Uh, and that's, hey, that's human nature. We all think, uh, thinking, supposedly, if we're applying moral principles and time-honored understandings as part of our discernment, should lead to good outcomes. Should. But self-interest can't be... Well set aside presuming that the things that are not within our own control don't put the kibosh on those because that's the thing we can think and choose to act for the good but that doesn't necessarily mean that good is the outcome Uh, now of course how we respond to that is another choice so which sets up i think you know it's a cycle we Mm -hmm. think we choose and we act Mm -hmm. and because you can say, well, you can think and then act. No, that's that's responding. You know, thinking without that that space in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Prioritizing respond. the good. Which good do you really want to achieve? Yes. Um, that takes us back to the Klauswitzian Trinity. Then I was, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was about to. Please. Well, it's you know your Trinity is the deliberate action. The Violent emotion. But violent emotions first. And then the violent emotion. Well, they're not necessarily in well, order, but right. it's... And then that third thing is, you mentioned the things that are out of your control. Yeah, the unknown. The, the unknowns, the, the randomness, the chance, all make up the eventual outcome. So there's, there's tying Clausewitz back in beyond war, even in your personal decisions... There's going to be all three elements. There's going to be your emotion, your reaction. There's going to be your deliberate plan. And then there's going to be those unknowns, those things out of your control that might have to alter your plan. And woe to those who do not take note of those other two, the randomness and the emotion. Well, really, we're almost talking about them in reverse. Mm -hmm. Because that randomness is often, for those of us who write... Uh, is the inciting incident. Right. right? Yeah, it's exactly. the trigger. The trigger. Uh, 
But as with anything, it's not so simple as a step A, B, and C. Right. Because it's complicated. It's complicated. That's right. Trevor Slattery makes it's his complicated. appearance. It's complicated. <laughs> uh, yeah. He, he did, how did Trevor Slattery not come up during the Klauswitz episode? Uh, yeah, you're right. That's I mean, oh he comes up every Lord. single time. And dang on it, we we I might might just have to. He must have been in the bathroom most. Uh, yeah, must have been. Wow. That's right. Don't go in there for twenty minutes. No. <laughs> uh, but you know, you know, that list, the order you put it in, in a way that's backwards, but also. Each one of those steps is going on all the time. So you've got that that randomness is often what causes us to, to think mm-hmm. or to have to, to respond or react. Yeah. And that violent emotion is often that gut instinct that we want to do. That first that's the re, that's first the, thing. Yeah, that's the, the reaction sometimes. I like the way that you laid that out. They all happen at the same time. Because we humans here's here's probably where this all falls apart for us. We want to think linearly. Right. And life don't work that way. No, it does not. And we, at our peril, once again, when we try to make it do that, we right. miss stuff. Right. So every point is going to have that. You know, and then finally, that, that uh, deliberate plan, that is the response. Mm-hmm. But that randomness happens while we are reacting and also while we are responding, mm-hmm. yeah. either at the same time or immediately thereafter, thereby inciting yet another right. cycle. And those who succeed, and Ulysses S. Grant's just a, an obvious example, are those who can constantly be doing all three things properly in their proper measure and move forward. Well, you know, the one of the quotes that I brought up during the von Clausewitz when he was talking about um, what make what a genius is at war, basically. Uh, the man who, uh, or the prince or the general, who can basically be deliberate and plan and, and have the outcome he wants as efficiently as possible. Uh, just, you know, like three really long sentences to basically say, who can get it done the best way, the fastest way, the che- you know, what I- <laughs> uh, That shows true genius. And, you know, part of that is what we were talking about earlier. It's not just having the response ready for this situation. It's also for the 15 other possibles, possible possibilities mm-hmm. that are going on simultaneously. Right. So that, as we talked about, in the midst of a battle, you can choose a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B, and a little bit from column C mm-hmm. to get to that ultimate outcome that you are mm-hmm. searching for. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't see all of them, but Dr. Strange can see, what, 14 billion? Million. Fourteen million. Fourteen million. That's right. Fourteen million outcomes. Well, yeah, he, he, he might be the he might be the uh, the absolute arbiter of doing that well, for sure. But ultimately, that's what we're talking about here is being multifocal in our approach forward. Mm-hmm. You have to do that if you expect to succeed in any fashion. Yeah. And that's not infinitely so. Nobody's capable of that. Although Stephen Strange came close. Uh, nevertheless, you've got to be able to figure out uh, of the of the infinite possibilities. There are are a, a handful of likelies which ones do we do and from that point do we move move ourselves around what's the risk versus the reward mm-hmm. uh, also sure. comes that's, in that's a into great this. Yeah. Uh, you know those who who react without that little bit of space between the stimulus and the response uh, those who just react all they consider is the the reward mm-hmm. it's instinct almost yeah well in many ways it is because the dog who uh, you know, attacks the, the the mountain lion because there's a piece of meat, and of course the mountain lion's probably uh, it's going to have, probably have to be a really big dog to make that dog attack <laughs> the mountain lion, or maybe a very small mountain lion. But the point is, though, when you enter into danger, uh, even though it looks like, oh my god, are you stupid? It's like, well, you actually probably were at that point because you just didn't think about the risk mm-hmm. that goes along with it. So <clears throat> instinct should be finer honed, you'd think. But well, if you do enough not. thinking before you act, then that's how you refine your instinct. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's a, the that second clause of Chesterton. I do believe in a fate that falls on them unless they act. Again, that balance of the thinking versus the action. Okay, we thought it through, but now we have to do something. Doing the, the correct thing... You know, I've often cautioned and people say, well, we've got to do something about X. 
well, yeah, but it's got to be the correct thing. That's yes. right. It's got to be yeah. the right thing. That's something right. that'll actually Action work. Action itself is not an absolute good. Right. In fact, sometimes it can even be an absolute evil. Yes. Don't just stand there. Do something is a bad way to, to go about things. Yes. It's, it's kind of right up there you know. with fire ready aim. Yes. Don't just don't just do something. Stand there is also not a bad thing sometimes. <laughs> yes. Depending. Yes. yes. Too much of one without the other can be bad. But it, I do like the part of this being the action, the the a sedentary life, a, a life without action is just as you know. Again, it's it's the beer fart in the whirlwind. It's you're just well, some of you're the, just some of the folks doing in your thought, and you're not acting. Some of the folks we love and think highly of uh, were proponents of that. Theodore Roosevelt and Ernest Hemingway are two obvious ones that the strenuous. The engaged life, a life is not worth a living life in unless, the arena. Exactly, it's not worth living unless it's being lived well. Whatever, whatever you want to say, that's kind of what you're talking yeah. about here. And that that life in the arena can take many different forms. True. Um, yeah, it's you know it's it doesn't no, it doesn't necessarily have to be an outdoorsy person no. or an athlete or any of that, but being engaged in the community. You guys are engaged. You're, you know, I always admire that you're pillars of the community. You're shepherds of your flock. The podcast, assistant is caretaker of souls, that's yeah. the way I like to put yeah, it. There you go. <laughs> you know, the the podcast is that for me. It's it's engaging. It's it's not sitting here reading a book. It's taking what I've read and trying to engage mm-hmm. others with it. Well, you might acting, read a book, but it's being not, but in that's the arena. Not the end goal, right? It's to it's to take what you learn and do something with that. Yeah, it and may it may be sedentary. Uh, I mean, Hemingway was a famous for that because he was both engaged in the world actively, but he was also, you know, my lord, look at the man's output and what he did. He's also sitting behind <laughs> a typewriter a whole lot too. I mean, come on. Well, and I think you also have to keep in, in mind the context of Chesterton. Uh, first of all, there's the time that he wrote, mm-hmm. uh, the, early 1900s. You know, the early 1900s. So that's a time of tumultuous change. Yes. Tumultuous, good word. Yeah. I like that. Um, but also, you have to think about Chesterton the man. So when he says when he says to act, he means to act for the good. Mm-hmm. He does not mean act for the self. So, you know, for him, certain things are implied in that they're right. taken it's for granted. Right, acting just for acting's sake. Yes. Well, and not even just that, but I mean, it really is, it has to be within a moral framework. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you know, you can act for self, but it has to be something that, one, does good for you, mm-hmm. but two, without harming anyone else. And that's a very difficult line to walk. Well, yeah, otherwise you're in with John Stuart Mill and utilitarianism, if you're not yes. careful, because that's kind of why he, that's why his philosophy has uh, gained so much uh popularity is because it basically uh, formalized or even we might even say weaponized selfishness well he has great weaponized selfishness wait a minute yeah John Stuart Mill weaponized selfishness you like that I, I, that yeah. uh, that is really a nugget to pull from from our corpus here guys okay I like thank that. you I'll take that uh, John Stuart Mill weaponized well, we are we, we keep saying this. I keep saying this that we're eventually going to do an episode on Mill. I mean, as we've been talking lately, we're kind of trying to reignite a lot of our philosophical discussions through here. So Mill is definitely uh, he's in my gun sights, shall we say, Martin? To use one of your favorite uh, imagery. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, and I've talked about this as well. <clears throat> we really need to look. We we need to examine liberty. That's the name of his book, On Liberty. Yes. Yes. And the reason we need to examine liberty is because we use terms today that don't mean what they used to mean. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. The age of euphemism is upon us, gentlemen. Well, not just that, but the loss of a nuance is... Yes. ...takes and simplifies these definitions of these words that... Really have a lot of layers of meaning. Yeah, they do, do a disservice, and to we the can't. Language. We can't. Well, and we've we also politicized the yeah. these things, which is a, which is by definition a dumbing down yes. to the lowest possible level. You did know, I say that out loud. I guess I did. Looking I? at liberty, I've said it before, and I know. So I've, I've seen Martin cringe when I say this because, and I understand why, but it, I think it is so true. Is that you know we don't have uh, very much in the way true 
conservatism in politics. Everybody's a liberal. And the liberals are going to hate that, and the conservatives are going to hate that. Because liberals are like, oh, those guys aren't conservative. They're not yeah, they're, like but everybody is. Right. Because that's the definition of a liberal, besides being somebody whose interests are not at stake, but really, as we talk about, that really is the epitome of it. Because it's all about me. Yeah. And what I want. Whether that's don't tell me what I can do with my body and being pro-choice or pro-abortion. Right. Or don't tell me what I can do with my money. Right. You know, it's two sides of the same coin. You're just choosing which hill you want to die on. And those are the two things that define the two political conservative polls. Yeah. Yeah. And yet realistically we're all liberals in that yeah. sense philosophically there's no difference it's just the object exactly the approach is the same yeah. in both cases and both that truly is weaponizing yeah uh, uh liberty that's right yeah yeah and it, that's, it's, that's why we're stuck in it that's no matter which way you turn you look around and you see like uh, it's kind of like am i the only sane person are we the only sane people in this universe at times Sometimes yeah. snakes and otters, the island of reason amidst the chaos of the rest of the universe. Ooh, write that down too. Write that one down. <laughs> Damn, I'm on fire today, boys. You are. Like Michael. Maybe I should give you the hammer today. No, 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 no. Like on fire, like Michael Jackson's hair in a Pepsi commercial. Come on, let's go. An island. <laughs> Don't spit out your bourbon at that one. I've been of waiting for reason. that one. Uh, listeners, you'll have to look that one up. But in the mid '80s, Michael Jackson caught his hair on fire in a Pepsi commercial. And it's, I think most of our listeners are probably old enough to. Get I hope that. so. I hope yeah. so. Yeah, because it was. Uh, I mean, I hope they're not. Actually, I'd like to. I would love it if most of our listeners were young. That's right. And they and they would look it up and say, "What's he talking about? Holy mackerel! It happened." Yes, that's right. An island of reason in a sea of disorder. Yeah, that's. I think. It, yes, you have polished that very very well, sir. Mm-hmm. Love that. All right. All right. Robert? All right. So. <clears throat> Got your nail gun out? Let's go. I do. I don't know how well I'll hammer it, but I'm going <laughs> to give it a shot. So uh, this quote, uh, as I try to do, I think encapsulates the main point of your quotes, kind of to try and bring them together, which actually I think we've done a really good job of doing that so well, yeah, far. Yeah, since that's synthesized uh, we have, very well. Yeah. You, you guys uh, chose well as far as playing off of one another. Sometimes my job is much harder. <laughs> uh, That's taking, a kind way of putting yes. it, I suppose, but yes. <clears throat> yes, to put one of us on one of his wings and one of us on the other wing makes a bird about the size of the Yum Center. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but could, Robert handles it. It could be an African swallow, not a European That's swallow. Right. That's, That's right. True. It could grip it by the husk. <laughs> That's right. It's not a question of where it grips it. It's a simple question of weight ratio. Sorry, we have slid into Monty Python. <laughs> Uh, but that's okay. Uh, that's and right. let me tell you, I've that's had some we, husks to grip. That's uh, right. That's we, right. We, you know, bourbon helps us. I was just going to say that bourbon does help. Oh, so silly king. This quote is uh, attributed to somebody called somebody named Diane Ackerman. The name sounds familiar, but I don't know where I know the name from. And maybe I don't. It's just I know the two names. Because uh, you know, obviously I know some Dianes, and I've heard of some Ackermans, so maybe sure. that's all I know. That's all right. So <clears throat> this is the quote. I don't want to get to the end of my life and find that I have lived just the length of it. I want to have lived the width of it as well. Very nice. She's an American poet, by the way. Okay, good. So, to me, this is just a... It's a great summary of of a great way to look at life. You know, we all want to live forever, you know, because uh, uh, nobody wants to die, right? Uh, and yet although, it awaits us all. And yet it awaits us all. And yeah. yet, for those of us that believe, yeah. we should be in a hurry to die. Well, yeah. Presuming, of course, we don't have any unconfessed sins on our, on our well, yes, plate. Um, that, that's why I want to put it off as long as I can. I want to make sure I get to confession one last well, time. Well, we were mm. created for purposes. We have to truly believe that. And, yes. And uh, whatever that purpose is is not going to be known to us in this life. Well, uh, and sometimes we, we fulfill we may, our purpose, sometimes we may be we don't. glimpsed with it. We may be blessed with the understanding of that we have found our purpose, fulfilled our purpose. Uh, a life that is well-led and well-lived, as you say, uh, always has purpose. Uh, and it's not a selfish purpose. It can't be. Uh, not, not exclusively. Well, it, it, assistant it, caretaker of souls is... is Quite the revealed purpose. Well, yes, you would think well, so. Yeah, you, you know, I, that came out as a kind of a, a joke at work. Um, is uh, you know I forget where the, the the original quote you know priests are caretakers of souls it's part Correct. of the, right. the how we describe being a pastor and 
you know, as a deacon, you know, uh, my boss is, oh, so you are also a character. It's like, no, I'm not. I, I'm at best, I'm the assistant because I cannot forgive sins. Uh, right, but so, nonetheless, we but work, I we have work a respons- for the same goal in we do. different manners, and I have a responsibility towards that end. You know, That's right. I would, I would not want to lead any of the flock that I have a share of responsibility for uh, down the wrong path that might lead them to hell. Sure. Well, I mean, parents think this way too. They're they're just it's a little bit more micro. It's about we have the responsibility for the care, upkeep, and. Uh, shepherding of these new lives we've created. Yes. I mean, that's a universal thing. That's one of the as, reasons the imagery we use, we do. Yes. As the former Father Karapi uh, once said, uh, actually said it on many occasions, he uh, uh, would talk about how you know he would tell the unvarnished truth, which he was really quite good at, despite the almost inconceivable end to his priesthood that he, yes, he came a, about. Yes, unfortunate. Uh, um, he but he said a, that he would always preach the truth because he isn't going to hell for any of it. And that's yeah. kind of the way I look at it. I would much sure. rather be blunt and honest about those things mm-hmm. because my responsibility is that if, I, if I'm not, then I put my own soul at risk. Right. Wow, we have really kind of strayed from where I was going with that. But, that, but you know, really, that is part of it. Sure. That's part of living the width of my life. And understanding your responsibilities and rising to those occasions. Yes. Yeah. And the, also recognizing where you don't so that you can try again. Yes. Yeah. Analyzing, thinking, and then acting. Yeah. Yes. Creates the future that you're attempting to create when you can look back on it and say, yes, I did this well. This uh, is really part not, and parcel. Not perfect. Well, yes, but well. almost never perfect. Uh, but this is part and parcel of that, uh, what I was talking about with the the three points for von Clausewitz, almost how, it, one, that it's given in reverse order, but more importantly, that it's happening all the time because we, are, we should constantly, mm-hmm. if we truly want to live not just as long as we can, but, uh, but live life to the fullest, meaning the width, uh, and not just to the fullest, meaning I have experienced all I could experience. Well, because yeah, that's, that's essential. That's that sensualist. That's way of mill. At that's mill. Do all. Do whatever you can do. Uh, take what you can take. As right. long as you don't hurt anybody, you should be allowed to do it. Right. Uh, it's a very libertarian thing. Yes, it is. Um, which you know, there's a lot to be admired for libertarians, but there's a lot to be not admired. Yeah. But to live that width, um, like I said, to me, this is just a great way of putting that philosophy that I have about so many pieces of it. Again, it's that. Respecting the inherent dignity of the human person. It's being that assistant caretaker of souls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's using the gifts that I have been given to the best of my ability uh, at whatever I choose to do. Uh, and hopefully I do that uh, after prayerful consideration. I do that in accordance with God's will. That's how I choose to try and live out the width. Uh, I don't know what that width is always going to look like. Probably most of the time I have no concept of what that width is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Because uh, honestly, for myself, I probably go, I probably do way too much responding, or I mean, reacting in life than I do responding. But part of, you know, living the width, part of um, learning from the past so that we can act on the future is recognizing that, you know, the person who, you know, an unexamined life is not worth living. There you go. If I don't examine what I've done, I cannot do better in the future. That's I cannot the, repeat yeah. Yeah. what I have done well. That's living the with, is yes. ex- examining your life. Well, I mean, uh, and for those of us who believe, this is very strongly encapsulated in the parable of the talents. Yeah. That Jesus lays out that, you know, one's given five, one's given two, one's given, or ten, five, and uh, ten. No, it's five, two, and one. Five, two, and one, that's right. Uh, I'm getting my numbers mixed up here. And two and five, uh, take it, invest it, work at it, and make more of it. Uh, the one buries it in the ground, and he is chastised at the end for doing this. He did not live the life. He did you not act. You wicked and slothful servant. That's exactly right. I mean, uh, the, the, the parable is very clear that you have squandered the gifts you were given. Uh, and because of the deliberate action that you did and the attitude... It's kind of what we've danced around here is all of this is predicated upon an attitude. Yes, an attitude that life is worth it. That's correct. It's worth examining. It's worth living the with. More than even just worth, we are compelled for all sorts of reasons to do so. Because if you take that parable as gospel, dare I pun that, but I just did, then 
to do such to do to not do such would be sinful. Yes. Yes, I, yes, that that was presumed in, in yeah, what I in what I exactly, was saying. But yeah, yes, to, but that's an important point to draw right, out. To deliberately because in that parable that that servant did that, he deliberately selected I because I'm afraid of you, I will bury it and give it back to you. And people say what's wrong with that? I'm saying, well, that's then you missed the point. Yes. Ta- the parable of the talents is is in English, it's a wonderful play on words that doesn't work in almost any other language because I don't know <laughs> any other language where talents means both an ancient form of money mm-hmm. and some inherent skill or ability that you possess. That's exactly right. That's and that's because the duality there is astounding. It's wonderful. Yes. I mean I don't so know how, talking about. how other preachers approach that, but it, it's a it's an added flavor that English-speaking preachers have to them. That's right. And it makes it a deeper, richer... And, you know, there's probably other nuances that in other languages we don't get. Mm-hmm. But for me, that that is a great one because that is a that is one that is... It, it's both cautionary as well as uplifting. That's right. Well, Spock said it very well. How do we, how do we respond each according to his gifts? Uh, and to take that further is you must respond as the gifts you've been given. Yes. Uh, not acting go back to your quote is is not an option it must not be an option yeah. there is it there is, is a wrong faith. it is there objectively is a... wrong yeah to yes. do that we'd love there, to find don't a respond faith. as kirk if you're scotty that's right that's why you yeah. have scotty that's right that's why you have scotty recognizing the talents of others is just as important as recognizing your own mm-hmm. because you it's Dare I say it? It's also part and parcel of that respecting the inherent dignity. It's recognizing mm-hmm. who people are, as well as what they can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what you do is not who you are. It doesn't define who you are. Although men in America like to live that way. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. We yes. tend to define our self worth by what we do. And when yes. we lose a job, it is far more devastating. On average. You know, don't get all up in arms because this is a sexist way of saying. It. But it's true. It's part of the differences between uh, men and women. In most I've cases, I've often said that if you if you ask a man about himself, he'll almost always tell you first what he does for a living. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you ask a woman about herself, she'll almost always first tell you about her children, then what she does. She's she's the, the she's woman family is, first. The woman is far wiser. Than the men. Oh, well, yes. And, and, and yeah, to, you know, to. Yes, the way I've always framed it is this is that men tend to define themselves by what they do, women tend to define themselves by their relationships. Yep. Which, as we've, as I've often said, is the higher calling. That's I've said correct. exactly the way. But because the relationship the, is the higher calling. The relationship than what should you do. be universal and forever. Yes. Uh, and. Yes, and, absolutely. And bing, 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 Exactly. And whereas. What you produce should be transitory by definition. And that's one of the reasons uh, widowers in particular have such a difficult time. Uh, or those who retire, male yes. retirees, have such a difficult time because they, unfortunately, through uh, whether it be inertia or whatever, and that's often that, uh, they defined themselves by what they did. And they realize um, the great the movie about Schmidt with Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. was all about that st- story. He, he He's... His wife dies, and he retires at the same time, and he is listless. And it's it, the story comes around. I mean, there's a redemption arc to that, but it's only once he realized you weren't either of those. You are who you are. Men, it's true more so for men than women, but because women tend to have better, more full relationships outside of uh, what they do. But when a spouse dies, if they don't have anything beyond what they their job or mm-hmm. that one relationship the other spouse follows within a year this is mostly true with men who survive their wives yeah uh, that also shows you the depth of the relationship when this happens it's not a bad thing by any means. yeah it shows you especially that men are incomplete without their Ooh, wives you are good. oh my gosh you are so you, good wow we are boom you're hammer time that's yeah. right that's exactly right that, that is, is very true that is the intended state for humanity, male and female together. That's the intended, that's the highest state. The family. That's the correct. Family, the family is the that is correct. State. Yes. Uh, but yes, because that mirrors the image and likeness of God most fully. That's correct. Uh, and that does not, not to disparage those that don't have that structure, but those that don't have it sort of long for it, 
sort of wish that you know that they, they recognize the value of it. Well, yes, because we all desire connection with one another Absolutely. in some way. That's right. I mean, as much as some of us like to be alone at times, we recognize that. All right, that time is done. Now we want to go. Sometimes that is simply just getting catching your breath. Well, sometimes that's it what is. it's for. Sometimes you you gotta because you, you need that time to think. You need that time to decide your course of action. But it is very much that you know the fate unless you act is is very much that for the average person is you you need to act on that relationship. You need to be a part of it, and. Um, you know, it's one of my wife and I's favorite songs is an old Van Morrison tune, um, uh, Have I Told You Lately. And there's a great line in it, and, you know, ease my troubles, that's what you do. Right. Well, that that is that is and, essential and that's, quality that's of why marriage. Yeah, that's why you're incomplete without that's correct. that other person. That's right. Yep. Where, where one is strong, one is... And it's amazing, living through that. Where one is strong, the other is weak. When the other is weak, the other is strong. Uh, that's... There's a there's a symbiosis there. A Complementarity. Balance. Exactly. Where it's supposed to work together. Uh, it, that's just that's the way it's supposed to be. Everybody knows that. When, uh, when I do marriage prep, one of the things that I ask the prospective couples, and most of them are young, uh, although I do get the occasional uh, older, never-been-married couple, uh, or the occasional, this is our second uh, go-around. Sometimes third or fourth with some of them. Well, um, but at know, least they're coming back to the church. They are. They are. Well, they um, recognize the church has something important to say. But one of the things I will ask them the is, um, what is the most important thing about marriage? What's, what's the most important thing? And they'll, uh, gee, I didn't know there was going to be a test. Uh, <laughs> of course. And they'll hem and haw about it, and, you know, and occasionally, you know, you know uh, to love one another, you know, to have kids, uh, all that sort of thing. You know, nothing wrong with any of those. Sure. Absolutely, those are important. They're vital. But the most important thing about marriage, the most important job that anybody has in marriage is to help their spouse get into heaven. That is mm-hmm. the complementarity mm-hmm. of men. That is right. women completing the man, man completing the woman. But I think they do more for us than we do. Well, you know, yeah. well, every yeah. every from man pers- marries from up. From our perspective, you know, yeah, I think that's yeah. exactly yeah. Well, maybe not every man because you know, some men really screw things up anyways. But almost any decent marriage, if not every single one, the man has married up. Uh, you know, women... I forget who said it originally, but you know, if it were not for woman, man would still be in, uh, in a cave okay. hitting each other over the head with rocks. Yeah. They're the true. great civilizing force That's right. yeah. because they help complete us. Yeah. And the same would be true if the roles were reversed, where women were bigger and stronger than men. Because we have the uh, men in general, and historically this is obvious, have had the physical power to impose themselves upon the weaker sex, as they have been called throughout history. If the roles were reversed, you would see the same kind of thing. Because where you have power, it's going to be abused. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I, th- I think it's such a long, slow road to get us even to the point where we are today. It takes a while to yes. temper that raw material into a society that is trying to get better. I'd like to think that's what we're always trying to do. Even yeah, we, we take some steps forward, we take some steps back. Correct. I mean, there's, um, all, there's all sorts of good things that happen about this. I mean, the Me Too movement... Uh, r- pulled a mask off of an ugly, awful thing that had been going on for a long time, and wink, wink, shake, shake. Everybody kind of knew it. Yes, and yet, even those that were victims of it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that system was evil, and those who promulgated it and propagated it and made it uh, intensified it were themselves participating in evil. I don't usually call human beings evil. No, they were don't participating usually. in evil. Acts, correct, and That's evil right. structures, and there, and were therefore tainted by it. Yes, and that's being a little kind, yes. uh, but that's exactly what we're talking about here. And yet, you know, God wills out. Sooner or later, these things get exposed. Yeah. Yeah. We learn and recognize. You know, uh, Leonard Nimoy did a marvelous, marvelous uh, TNT movie. You guys probably remember it back in the '90s during the TNT era, shortly after Ted Turner established the network called Never Again. Where mm-hmm. he played Mel Mermelstein, uh, who successfully sued Holocaust deniers to put into the United States Code that arguing against 
the Holocaust was indeed a real event, and you cannot say that it wasn't with any credibility. You can't deny that it happened, uh, legally speaking. In this country? I know that's true in Germany. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a great thing. And he, he put it in law. So that way, those who wanted to try and propagate it. would have to be it, case law because... It was. Yeah, it was can imagine... It was civil. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was not It's not criminal. I mean, that's, that's, you can have well, whatever. But then, yes, you can say it. But yeah. I mean, I mean you, can, you can say it. Yes, this is not against the First it, Amendment. Yeah, but getting... Seeking then to have that... Codified. Codified in some type of... Legislation. Le- law or legislation can't... Can't happen. That's what he was, a, that yeah, was what he was doing. It's established that, yes, this was real. It's right. You cannot create a law that says that it wasn't. That's what he's saying. No. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can have whatever... Goodness yeah. knows, uh, you can have people that believe in the great big spaghetti monster. Uh, and they're free to do that. Well, those that we would find offensive would say the uh, say great... The, uh, uh, oh, what's the how they put it? Um, uh, the great invisible uh, uh, bearded man in the sky, or yeah, yeah it, it's it's a thumb of the nose uh, towards towards them and etc. Mm. Whatever you know, you can. Hey, uh, it's America. We can live and let live on that issue. I like to think. Well, there was a time I would agree with you. I don't know; it's entirely true anymore. But well, uh, you're exactly right. Uh, some, like we've said many, many times, though, it's all about us versus them. Uh, sometimes us only exists because them exists. Uh, I often wonder about that. That sometimes that is true. Uh, that is the going back to the uh, theme of the day. That is the uh, total reaction mm-hmm. uh, mode yeah. of operating because right. because I don't like yeah. you. My my whole reason for existing. Is to defeat you, yeah. and of course that's how we get where we are now. It's where but you are the devil. Sometimes yes, you only destroyed. continue to adhere to a cause because its imp- opponents are so insipid. Yeah, I, I uh, you might want to write that one down because that's pretty darn good. Did you steal that, or was that? That's a, a, no, that's stolen. That's uh, that's a somebody, and I forget who it is. I, I used to say that you, in my list too. You're but. quite you're quite profound. It could have been you. I was no no no. no. It's, I try, it's it's stolen, but yeah. That, well, gentlemen, we're at about 55 minutes, so I think we're, we're going to wrap up here. But, wow, that was good, 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 good stuff. Oh, uh, this is a This is a archive uh, Hall of Fame episode here, I think. Okay, I'll this take is that. This is a, you know, save the tape or save the download. That's right. Uh, listeners, pull this one down and, and put it on your iPod and send it to Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> 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 this is a good one. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> you got to hear this one I can hear this one now. That's uh, right. so I made Robert laugh uh, out loud he's peaking the meter uh, with that laughter he so didn't I love spit that. out the bourbon so it's okay that's the best part is yes. making um, Robert laugh like that. that's what I live for so oh, gosh that was so subtle I hope everybody got that <laughs> so save the download of this one this is Hall of Fame material right here right. Uh, so Francis buddy what's up next oh yeah, we are uh, going back to 73 73 we're going uh it's, we're gonna hey we're gonna shift gears we're gonna be something uh, our heroes we we want this to be somewhat fungible we want to morph this when we need to good word fungible we've we've fungible. we've done we well last month we did our first fictional hero that's true Steve Rogers this month we're actually going to be a non-contextual or you might say completely contextual I suppose set of heroes. Um, we are going to each talk about our favorite teachers, oh, yes. people that have influenced us, because everyone, truly everyone in this world, I truly believe it, has some influences in their lives that formed them. Uh, we're going to concentrate on those positive ones, of course, and through the education system, you know, education gets a bad rap at times. Uh, we th- Three are big believers in the liberal arts education. So we're going to, you know, there's one in particular that we all share that we're going to talk about. Yeah. And there's others that we each have. Some we may have known if it was our time at Bellarmine. Others may we be all share high at least school. one, uh, depending on the set, two of us share at least several others. Correct. So we'll go into that and we'll go on that and we're going to explore. And this is kind of a tribute to all those who teach and perform that vocation because it truly is a vocation. Ask any teacher, they don't do this for the money generally. They do it. Which is obvious, yes. Yes, but they do this because they believe in what they're doing. We're going to celebrate that next time. Please join us. Thanks for being with us here every week at Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Be sure to spread the word on your social media accounts. Follow us and retweet us.
We are on Instagram and on Twitter at Snakes and Otters. Let your friends know that they can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just search Snakes and Otters Podcast to find us. And please, remember to leave us your comments and reviews. It helps people find us. And you can always send us an email at snakesandotterspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Martin. I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Catch us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.